Let's lift our Bibles and wave them around and make Jesus glad the devil mad. Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, my life is built on the rock. The rock Christ Jesus. He's not dead. He lives. He was risen from the dead for my benefit and the benefit of a lost world. I'm making a difference in this life because of the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Glad to have you today. Glad to have our live stream audience as well. Let's go to Acts, the first chapter, and then right next to it is John 21, and we're going to get into the Word just a little bit here and give you a, a cornerstone. I've got a message for you, and I believe it'll help you. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And this is uh, the physician Luke is writing the book of Acts. Wish he was one of our physicians in our government. It would be a lot better, I think. All right. Former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. You know, Jesus was just getting started in the book of Acts. I mean, he's not giving up yet. I mean, he just, he's fixing to wind this thing up. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Notice they weren't suggestions. The commandments. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And, uh, and then the next uh, couple pages over, John 21, we're going to read a few verses here, starting with verse 1. This is, uh, uh, this is referred to, really, uh, Luke is referring to one of these times that he showed himself alive after the resurrection. John 21, 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee. Who's that? Anybody know who the sons of Zebedee? James and John, sons of thunder. And uh, he, uh, they were there and, the, and two other of his disciples. I wonder why they weren't mentioned. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we go also with thee. So they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Certainly can rely, you know, I can relate to that, which is most of the times I've been fishing in my life is nothing. Okay, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. You know, all through when he was revealing himself to them, they were always a little bit unsure if it was really him. I mean, the glory was working on him. The glory, I mean, I mean, you know, if we could see him right now, he wouldn't look anything like those little pictures we see. I mean, his face is shining greater than the sun. He's got white hair. He doesn't have brown hair. You know, page boy. Amen. He's a Jewish rabbi. I'll, you know, come on. And so, it said, uh, and so he said, uh, 
They had caught nothing. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples knew it not that it was Jesus. But Jesus said to them, children, that's not a, that's not, it wasn't shit. He didn't say children. I know it says that in the King James. Uh, you know, he said dudes. Okay? Guys, at least guys. It, it, it was informal. Children. Kind of. They're not children. You know, they're a rough and tough guy. You know, Peter's a fisherman. You know, his hands are. So he, he said, Lads, have you any meat? He knew, no. <laughs> and he said unto them, cast the net on the right side. Now, that's why I stay on the right side, praise God. The left side is a losing side. <laughs> cast on the right side of the ship and you shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Everybody say multitude. multitude. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> Who's writing this gospel? John. See, so he, he's, he's always writing in the third person like he's not the one writing it. See, don't you like John? I mean, I kind of like John. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He didn't love the rest of them, just me. <laughs> Said unto Peter, <laughs> it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, uh, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And other disciples came, kind of like Forrest Gump. Remember, you know, he, came, he just went off the back of the shrimp boat, you know, when he saw Lieutenant Dan, you know, and when <laughs> he started swimming, to he forgot he was on the boat. He just went right, right off the boat. And... Uh, and he did cast himself and see the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153. And for all there were so many, that yet there was not the net broken. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then come and cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. And so he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Uh, the the Amplified says convincing evidences and uh, unquestionable evidences, convincing proof. Or you could say assurances. So today I wanted to, to uh, share a message entitled, entitled Resurrection Assurances. I mean, if they needed assurance after he was risen from the dead, and they were eyewitnesses of his majesty, they were eyewitnesses of his three and a half years of ministry, and they saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. They saw him cleanse the lepers. They saw him open blind eyes and deaf ears, and yet they needed assurance. In fact, the Bible says this is the third time, and that's the last chapter in the book of John, so there's a whole lot of other assurances he gave them that are not written. But my question to you, don't you need assurance from time to time? I mean, especially right now when it seems like the entire world has gone off the deep end and are still 
after a whole year of dealing with this thing and knowing, yes, you can find people that have passed away. You can find, but, but really the, the numbers don't support the panic. We're not hearing about the other folks that have died of other things. I mean, one guy died of a motorcycle wreck and it was COVID that killed him according to the county records. Yeah. I wonder how many more have been just classified just because, just because. Amen. We, the, the point is we need assurance from something, somebody different than the government. We need assurance from the word. We need assurance because, you know, 2,000 years re removed from the resurrection. I mean, nobody's an eyewitness uh, of his resurrection, but we are partakers of the word of God. And we can receive assurance today. And so I believe in this account of his third assurance toward them that we can draw the assurance we need today to make a difference in this world. I mean, people need to see something different in the church than what they're seeing. I said, people need to see something different from the church than what they're seeing. 20% of churches have already closed their doors and never will open again. I, I, I didn't prophesy it, I just said it. A year ago, I told uh, on an on a interview Michael Berry, the Michael Berry show, I, I said there's, 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 there's uh, a significant number of churches in Houston that will never open again. I don't know what the numbers are, but I know there's a lot of churches that never will open. They, they, they closed up. They're gone. And the sheep are scattered. And they're offended and they're not, they haven't even found another place to go. They, in fact, they're not even sure they want to find another place to go. Because they were involved in that church. They, they had sunk their belief in that church, and now their church wasn't there for them. Oh, I tell you, we, the church has got to rise up and manifest something. But if we're going to give assurances, we need to have, a, have some assurance coming back to us. Amen. So I have three things today, just, just simple. It's a simple message. Say, what did Jesus teach them about his resurrection? See, because he was teaching them right there. He taught them by precept and by example. What was he teaching them? I mean, it was significant that he showed up on that day. He was not invited to the fishing trip. You know, Peter didn't tell Jesus, I'm going fishing. You know? And so the first one, you know, really obvious is that Jesus is with you. Jesus was with them. He was on the shore. I mean, all night long, you know, while he was fit, while they were fishing, he was, you know, he was on the shore. And when they got to the shore, evidently he was busy because he had a fire going and he had fish on the fire. <laughs> I don't, you know, pretty amazing. So he was with them. That's the point. I mean, they heard him call, hey, hey, dudes, hey, guys, catch anything? <laughs> you know, while they were, they were going back and forth between becoming fishers of men and just plain old fishermen. <laughs> Peter said, I go fishing. I mean, you know, I know Jesus has appeared to us a number of times here, but, uh, you know, he's not here right now, and the bills are stacking up. I mean, I've got, I've got bills to pay. I've got groceries to buy. I've got a family to feed, and uh, there's no money coming in from the ministry. It looks like the ministry's over. Nobody's giving us any uh, help. 
we're going to have to go out here and do some fishing. Anybody in? Well, he had seven out of the 11. Remember, there's one that committed suicide. Judas is not there, so that left 11. So seven out of the 11 said, yeah, we'll go fishing with you all night long. And so they're wavering, you see, but Jesus didn't give up on them. Jesus hadn't given up on the church even though the church hasn't done a very good job of being a witness of his, of his life in this earth right now. They haven't done a very good job of speaking out against evil. Let's face it. It's not time for the church to pat itself on the back. It's time for the church to rise up. Amen. Amen. But Jesus didn't give up on them and he hadn't given up on us. He's with us. Praise God. He's with us. You know, sometimes we feel like we're in it all alone, but you know what? We don't go by how it feels. We don't go by how it seems. The just shall live by their faith. And faith knows he's with us. You know, in Matthew 28, just as he was lifting off, going back to heaven, he ascended into heaven. The last thing he told him on his way up, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And he's with us. Everybody say, Jesus is with me. And the next thing I see out of this, this account is that Jesus is for you. He's for you. He's on your side. He wants you to have success. He said, have you, hey, 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 guys, you got any, you catch anything? No, all night long. You might have been fishing all night long. You might have been fishing all year long. You might have been fishing. There's been times when I fished all decade long, and I didn't have much to show for it. I don't know how many houses I thought about, conceived, planned, and built, and when, they, when it, all the smoke was cleared, I had no profit. I mean, it was, and I, you know, I was not in a non, you know, Glorious Way Church is a non-profit corporation, in case you didn't know. But I had a for-profit corporation, and it was non-profit. It is no fun. I said, it's no fun. No, I didn't have any idea that Jesus was for me. I was religious. I went to the Catholic Church. I had all the sacraments. I, you know, was president of the Knights of the Altar, but they didn't teach me that Jesus was interested in my success. Jesus is interested in your success. He rose from the dead to make you successful. I wish I'd heard that. Well, I finally did hear it, praise God. It's called the gospel to the poor. Amen. No, oh, I tell you, they fished all night long and were totally, had, they didn't even catch as much as a mullet. Nothing. A goldfish, nothing. Hey, just cast your net on the right side. You'll find. And what did they find? 153 great fish. Great fish. This wasn't breakfast. This, they, they caught a catch that they intended. I mean, that's why they were out there. Let's face it. They weren't out there fishing for breakfast. They were out there fishing for enough of a catch to make a difference in their financial picture, which was sinking fast. Just like the song said, you know, he makes a way where there is no way. Everybody knows you don't catch very many fish in the daylight on the Sea of Galilee. You've got to fish at night. That's the only way. I mean, that water's clear. You're not, you're not going to catch a fish in the daytime. But they did. 
They did, and it was so huge. I mean, they had to pull that thing up on shore. Oh, glory to God. You may have run out of options, but Jesus has got a way for you where you can be successful. Everybody say, Jesus is for me. Some of you just need to remind yourself because, you know, we're living in a very adversarial society. I mean, these major corporations are coming against us. Do you realize that? Coca-Cola coming against you, saying that just because you, you know, you want to make sure that elections are on the up and up and you want to make sure that there are light, that people show uh, an ID to prove who they are, that somehow that's racist. Now, how dumb is that? That somehow building a highway so that traffic can flow through Houston is racist. And, and that he's going to, uh, Biden is going to clean up the, the highways across the country. He's, he's got billions of dollars he's going to spend to get rid of racist highways. <laughs> These people are stark, raving nuts. They hate, you know, and the big major corporate, we got to move the MLB out of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. They've got these laws that, that mean that they don't, we don't want a, 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 on the up and up. We want dead people to vote like they did last time. We, we want illegal. In fact, illegal, when you use the word illegal, that's racist. Folks, it's Antichrist. Their target, these major, I'm talking about major corporations now. They're coming against us. They're, they're taking our rights away from us. Maybe it's time to quit watching baseball. Maybe it's time to quit drinking Coke. Maybe it's time that we start voting with our finances. I believe if the church would get together and start doing some of that kind of thing, they'd change their tune. They're going to find out the rest of the world, when you add it all up, put together, they can't support them like we can. Oh, this is still the greatest country on the face of the earth. I mean, God has not left America. He hasn't left the church. He's for us. I said, he's for us. Praise God. Come on, let's lift our hands. Thank God. Now, this last one is probably the most important of the three that we need to keep in mind. He said uh, unto them, he said, bring of the fish which you have now caught, verse 10. He wanted them to have skin in the game. He probably could have had enough fish. He's Jesus got a lot of faith but he wanted them to have skin in the game he said bring of the fish 153rd great fish bring of the fish and bring it and mix it with the ones I've got prepared and come and dine in the Jewish tradition the greatest form of fellowship and intimacy is having a meal together, hence the Last Supper. He, uh, he got together with his disciples, and he, he had intimate time, and he shared with them back in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, at the Last Supper right before he was crucified. Talked to him about the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another. Uh, the King James says comforter. I, it's not as good a translation because it indicates like a comforter is going to pat you on the head and say, oh, baby, it's going to be okay. Well, oh, yeah, the Holy Ghost can do that, but it's, it's bigger than that. 
He's a strengthener. Really, the best, uh, the best uh, translation is helper. He will help you. Can you imagine God, the third person of the Godhead, helping you? How many of you ever needed help? Well, help is available. And so he said, come and dine. Jesus is in you. Jesus is in you, or, he, or I can put it this way, Jesus wants to be in you. He's not in everybody. I said he's not in everybody. Even people who call themselves Christians. Now, I call myself a Christian, but he wasn't in me. I went to church the majority part of my life, but he wasn't in me. Not until I was 33, not until I did something that was necessary for me to do. Let's look at Revelation chapter 3. Praise God. Jesus is in you or else he wants to be. So powerful. You know, he can be for you, he can be with you, but he wants to be in you. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus told the apostle John to write letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. Claire's been teaching that on her noon encouragements the last few weeks. And uh, the seventh church was the church of Laodicea, chapter 3, and he just starts off, you know, greeting them. And uh, in verse 15, he said, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. I will vomit you. In other words, Laodicean church, church, not a synagogue, not a Hindu temple, not a mosque, a Christian church pastored by a pastor. And Jesus said, the way things stand right now, is I'm revolted. You make me nauseous. Not only do I not want to eat with you, you, you haven't, you have, I haven't eaten with you, you're not eating with me, you're not part of me. Why? Because they were cold? No. Cold means they needed to be informed of what the truth was. A cold person is someone who hasn't been exposed to the gospel. A cold person is someone who didn't have a chance. But once you've been exposed, then he expects you to be zealous. He wants you to be on fire for him. But what would you do if you were about to have a wedding and, and the bride was nonchalant? Yeah, that's what they tell me. I'm going to walk up the aisle next week. I mean, you know, your, your, your attendance would be, well, they would be encouraging you to get a little bit more excited. I mean, are you going to really marry this guy and you're not, very, you're not very desirous of him? I mean, that's not exactly fair to go up the aisle about somebody that you're ambivalent about. Lukewarm means ambivalent. Lukewarm means not on fire. Lukewarm means you had the chance, you heard the message that would light your fire and you said, no, I want to be cool. 
I want to be accepted by my friends. I don't want to be separated from them. Are you with me now? This is Jesus talking. I didn't say it. He said it to a church. And that church is on the earth right now. There may be somebody in here that's lukewarm in this church today, right now. So he's talking to you. Here's your chance to remedy that situation. Because he does want to be in you. And so he, he goes on and he says, I, he said, <clears throat> he said uh, you say, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's, that's kind of the way that people are who are lukewarm. They think they've got it together. They might look cool on Facebook. They might look cool at, on the job or in the neighborhood. But this is how God sees them. They see themselves differently. He said, I counsel thee, I advise you to buy gold tried in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. See, he's not, he's not giving up on you. He's giving them another chance. This church has got so much wrong with it. He's nauseous. He's ready to spew them out. Before he does, he gives them a chance. That's love. Love is not this mess that we see. This woke, that's not love. Everybody say woke is not love. It's a lie. Come on. It's a lie. And so, behold, now, this is, this is the part right here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, so humble, is standing on the porch, knocking on the door of your heart. If any man, any person, open the door. Notice he won't do it. He will not force himself in. He won't get that shotgun out, blow the lock off. You know, get the battering ram and knock the door lock off. No knock warrant. He's knocking. If any person open the door, I will come in unto him. And I will sup with him and he with me. Fellowship, intimate fellowship. That's what God desires for every human being on the face of the earth. He wants to be in you. He wants to be inside your spirit. Praise God. Oh, he desires. So he showed the disciples by precept and example, what it's all about, what the gospel is all about is getting people to open their heart's door. Finally, when I was 33, I finally got the message. I finally understood what he had been trying to show me most of my life. And I finally opened that door, and not, and not before. I mean, he would not go through that door until I opened it. Oh, praise God. 
I mean, he's going to eat with you, and you're going to eat with him. You're going to give him all you are. He's going to give you all he is. Boy, what an exchange that is. He rose up from the dead to be in you.